ladies and gentlemen, there has been a murder, and you are a suspect. Oh, this is so fabulous. Ain't nothing like getting together with family and having a good meal. I wonder what's for dinner. This is delicious. It was at this moment he knew. This is rotten. Ah! What'd you say? I said eat. <laughs> this is great. That was fun. That's um fucking Voldemort with the eh 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 eh. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, they killed that shit. Yeah, I like it. The Harry Potter mix. The Harry Potter rap, dude. Oh my gosh, what are we doing? We're listening to Harry Potter raps. It has nothing to do with this podcast at all. But guess what? It was very entertaining. Yeah, it is. And I like it. It was that good shit. I'm a nerd. That was the content that we need. That we needed that we didn't know we needed. Now I just need something that has to do with like Magic the Gathering or Halo or something like that to go along with that rap. Man, your nerd is showing. I just got to let you know. It's hanging out. Oh. So what's up, Sharif? Tell us what's been going on in Sharif World. Well, what's been going on in Sharif World is a little bit of pickles. A little bit of pickles. And a little bit of moonshine. A little bit of pickles and a little bit of moonshine. That sounds like some real magic. It is the magic because we mixed the eat and the drink. For this podcast together, all in one delicious, what is it, a drink or it's it, it's, it's definitely a, it's definitely a meal, but they're just they're what are they? They are pickles. They are moonshine pickles. Moonshine pickles. Yep, from the old smoky, the old smoky, the old smoky distillery in Tennessee. Old smoky distillery. Yes. All right. In Gatlinburg, you know they have those moonshine distilleries. We hit that up. We took lots of samples. Yeah, we that place is awesome, it man. Was awesome. If you haven't been to Gatlinburg before, like that is one of the coolest places. It's like a little mountain village. Of course, it's like super freaking touristy now. But why am I acting like I think that's just like the beach person in me? It's like it's super touristy now. But I was a I was a tourist while I was there. Like I've never. It's probably always been a tourist trap since like Dollyland or whatever. I almost puked, um, and it was a great time. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. you had to take a little because when we did the seltzer, one, it was a cider. The cider, that shit, yeah. it was. It tastes delicious. It just didn't agree with everything that was already going on. We just had lunch, you know, and then we just pounded like I don't know how many shots they gave us at those two distilleries before we went to that distillery. So, yeah. It was like it was not whiskey. We went to a whiskey one. Yeah. And then we went to two whiskey ones and then we went to a cider. Yeah, we went to two whiskeys. The moonshine. Moonshine, then whiskey, then, then, whiskey cider, then cider, and then wine. And wine. To wrap it all up yeah. like some nasty people. Yeah. We were. So we were <laughs> we nice were and toasty when we left there, but we did leave with some of those pickles that they have that just sits. And moonshine. It's in it. Just, just sits there all day. Yeah. So. Soaking up all the moonshine flavors. Yeah. And then we took a little shot of that moonshine. It's like pickle juice. It's like a little pickle shot. It definitely gets the job done. 
Mm-hmm. That's right. Yes. Just in case you didn't know, we're about right there where we need to be to start this podcast. Yeah. And I'm going to keep this voice because guess what we're talking about tonight? We're talking about one of our... <laughs> One of our most infamous leads. One of our most infamous families in South Infamously Carolina. Infamously bad, I could say. Mm-hmm. Like, just bad people all around. They're the worst. It's called bad, bad they all being suck. It's a, If you could imagine a family of super rich and super disturbed individuals, then this would be the family that you're picturing yes. inside of so, your mind. Before we get into our story for today. Yes. Welcome to Welcome. the podcast. Welcome Thank to the you. podcast. And I think we should go ahead and hit our little uh, shout outs. Not our shout outs. Our plugs. I call it a power plug. Can we just do power plug and then add like a voltage sound right here? Alright. Let's, let's yeah. do it. This is your power plug. No, Ooh, I don't I like, like that. It. No, I don't. Right, try it again. Okay. Power plug. That was good. yes our power plug so let's talk about all the ways you can enjoy our podcast because you're already listening to us so you've already found a way but there's multiple ways and we're going to tell you about those ways and how many times i can say ways in a sentence by the way all right so first of all we are in all of the major platforms that podcasts are on we're on apple Podcasts. we're on spotify we're on there's one more Google, Google, we couldn't forget Google. You're the Google guy, I'm the Apple guy. (laughs) We're on Google Podcasts. And then we're also on all your delicious social medias. That would include Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We're TikTokers now. Yes, we are. Yeah, we're doing all the dances all you little youngins are doing. No, we're not doing the dances. We're just... Oh, I was excited. We're just going to be posting foods on there. You know? Yeah, we're just posting yeah. foods. We can do dances. We can do Eat, challenges. Dance murder. Do they still do challenges? They do. Yeah. Just let us know. Let's do a challenge. What, what would you like I hope it's not the, the cinnamon challenge. I don't want to do that one. We got to do some food challenges, but I want to do the fun food challenges. Oh, right? you know, guess what? All right. I'm going to go ahead and here's another little power plug. Um, <laughs> um, it's not really a power plug. It's like I just want people to send us stuff. Okay. And I want a one chip challenge. What's a one chip challenge? It's the chip that's like super spicy and only comes in one pouch, one chip per pouch. And oh. you have to get it. And it's got like the Carolina Reaper. We got to do the Carolina Reaper. That We're in Carolina. Great. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. I would I would do that. I would do Actually, that. Actually, okay, setting a new goal for the podcast. We're going to record a session at the farm. Because I know the people, because oh, I've already man, contacted them before boy. through See, my job. this is the kind of things that we're I was trying to, to avoid. Okay. We're going to record mm-hmm. a session, and we might do it on the sidewalk outside uh-huh. if we can't get permission. But we're going to record something <laughs> yeah. near the vicinity of, I think it's called like Huckleberry Farm. Uh-huh. No, I'm thinking of the Huckleberry Finn. What's it called? Yeah, it's called something that. farm. Hold on one second. It's called Pucker Butt. No. Yes. <laughs> I've talked to those people. They're really nice people. They never called me back one time, but mm-hmm. I think it's just because they're like super popular and super busy. I only called them once, so it's not really a big thing. Y'all get Pucker Butt's attention yes. and let them know about the podcast. Yes. Let them know how much we deserve you, to stand you on that. their we're farm gonna, grounds. We're going we're gonna to do it. We're okay. Gonna do it. We're going to do it and we're going to tell you about it. That's the challenge yes. we need to do. Something spicy. I like spicy stuff. I don't know. 
Maybe that's too dangerous for us now. It's been a while since I've had some severe it's, spicy. It sounds like it would be really dangerous. So hey, man, that's the fun in it. I'm totally down. I'll do it for you guys. Yeah, our, our fans. What are they called? Our fans. Did we ever come up with that? EDMers. Mm. No, no, because those are the people who have the neon lights and the ring lights and finger lights and stuff. True. Because that's electric right. dance music. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I, I, that's our acronym, EDM. Mm-hmm. Why don't we like let y'all decide? You know I what I know. You know yeah, what I'm we, saying? We, yeah, it might be a thing. Yeah. We're going to put our hardest workers, our hard-hitting people that work with us, everybody in this room that works super hard yeah. <laughs> for this podcast, yeah. they're going to come up with something for y'all. Team. Yeah. Well, and we have, yeah, we, our yeah. important team. Of people? Of people. Yeah. We are going to work very hard with them. <laughs> to come up for a name for y'all. For y'all, yeah. Because there's nothing more American than naming things that don't belong to you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sorry. America. <laughs> but yeah, so um we are now doing our series. South no, 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 no. Bring it back, bring it back. I'm I'm just the only reason is because I'm gonna I'm going to get to there. Oh. Okay. I like what you got up your sleeve. So without any further adieu, adieu. Yes, you yeah. did that. Without you any further ado. Fancy. <laughs> Let's get into our story tonight. What's our story? You we might are talking ask. about the bigums. The bigums. What a fucked up bunch of people. Yes. And they are one of the most cruel and malicious families that would go down in South Carolina's history. And you could say they are one of our most sinister stories. Of mm. South Carolina? <laughs> wow. Insert episodic tagline here. Boom. <laughs> South, South Carolina, Carolina strange and sinister. sinister. That was a great segue. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. It, was, it wasn't. It was so unnatural. But guess what? We're going to push through it. So this is our podcast listeners discretion warning okay it's about to get graphic up in here there is a lot of human slavery we'll be talking about or at least pretty much the equivalent of human slavery because at this point in the history with the story of the bigums i think it is post emancipation but that doesn't really mean much right okay and we'll we'll get into more of that to talk more about the bigums the bigums were a very infamous and murderous clan that lived in an area called Pamplico, which was between Florence and Myrtle Beach. And in the span of just three generations, they would leave a body count behind that would rival prominent serial killers in the state. Now, I wouldn't say the Bigums themselves were serial killers. They were like opportunistic killers. Can you explain the difference? So a serial killer is a person who commits a series of murders often with no apparent motive. And they definitely had a motive. There's no pattern, really, except for the pattern being they take advantage of people who can easily be taken advantage of because of their race, because they're not as well known within the government like the Bigums are. So they still would follow. I think they still would follow. So maybe we'll let's let's revisit this and we'll decide after we hear the whole story. Are they serial killers? Maybe that will be one of the final questions after this story is, are the Bigums serial killers? 
But before we go any further, let's acknowledge some of our sources. Actually, this is the first story I've done where I had two different sources. Mm -hmm. As far as books go, there's a total of three sources. So we have The Last of the Bigums by J.A. Ziegler. And we also have a piece of The Fox's Hide by Catherine Bowling. Oh, yeah. That, that title is so cool. Oh, it's a cool-ass title. I love it. And both of these are authors are South Carolinians, which is actually really cool. Now... It should be noted that a lot of this, and we're just going to be telling the story here. Some of it may not make sense, and that's okay because it's just a story. These are real characters, but I feel like as far as all the information that we got, especially from Ziegler's The Last of the Bigums, is very sensationalized. I mean, you had half of the book is pretty much one of The Last of the Bigums, which is, I believe, Edmund Bigum. Half of the book is about his trial, and in the trial, it's like it's ridiculous like people like faints while they're giving testimonies and mm -hmm. people are fist fighting within the court and it's just like yeah, this didn't happen you know was what I'm he saying? supposedly there mm -hmm. when it happened yeah i believe he was an english professor but we also got another source that we definitely need to mention and that is from a fellow podcast group called carolina true crime oh that's our main out. competitor fuck you carolina true crime i'm just kidding <laughs> um actually i really enjoyed listening to to them it's like a conway news station or something like that oh cool so kind of yeah. in the area pamplico like is i guess where conway is it's yeah, the, they covered uh, they did an episode covering the bigums yeah yeah, I'll have yeah. To check that out. and I actually heard about this family from a co-worker and i've never heard of them before and this may be the first time you're hearing of them but if you can imagine something similar to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre family. Or how about the Hills Have Eyes? The Hills Have Eyes? Yeah. yeah. yeah that, that, was, <laughs> that, is, yeah. that would be an accurate uh, description. Oh, perfect. You know what they're like? They're like the Murdochs. And we're going to do an episode oh, about the man, Murdochs. That's so but they are accurate. literally the predecessors wow. of the Murdochs. Wow. That's perfect. such a good analogy. Perfect. Okay, so our story begins in 1774. We're going way, way back in the back, back machine for this one. This is before the American Revolution. We're starting with the first Bigum. That's James Bigum. He brought his family and settled in an area around the PD called Pamplico. And his grandson, Leonard, is going to kick off the story for us tonight. Leonard Bigum, most people just called him Lynn. Oh, Lynn. Yep. He inherited a good amount of land from his grandfather. And as we see later to Bigham's land is what is most precious. Like many early families in South Carolina, the Bigham's made a fortune off the lumber industry, which is actually kind of cool. It's also really fucked up, but a lot of these lumber towns that were in early South Carolina, they're all pretty much gone now, or they're all, you know, you've, you've passed through them. They're like yeah. nothing towns now. Uh -huh. A lot of them used to pay people in their own currency. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. they had like their own currency type deal. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that's what the Bigums did, but it sounds like it's something they would do. The whole deal was is like they controlled pretty much everything. They would pay their laborers it's like a microcosm. The, they yeah. would pay, exactly they would pay their laborers in this currency that the laborers could only spend in their stores. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anyway, they specifically harvested pine trees. There is nothing that Leonard loved more than his pine trees. As he would say, more pines meant more timber. <laughs> Oh shit. You okay, Lynn? <laughs> more, you need more timber. Meet more money. <laughs> Goddamn. Whew. 
He was extremely fond of money. Anyway, he was described being a man of few words. He rarely had to really say anything because he had such an intimidating presence. One of the descriptions that was in the piece of a fox's hide is that he had steel gray eyes that would cut right through anyone standing across from him. If you ask neighbors to characterize Leonard, they would only have one word. Yeah, what's that? He was mean. <laughs> like most murderers, killers, and all-around scumbags who act out in violence, they start very small. The first instance of Leonard's wrath came from assaulting one of his neighbors during a money dispute. He was booked for this crime, but luckily for Leonard, his brother Samuel, as you'll come to see, this is a reoccurring theme, was the sheriff of Marion County, and he was set free due to a lack of incriminating evidence. So the next time Leonard will lash out is when word reached his ear that some of the black people in the area, particularly a guy named Adam, mm -hmm. he was spreading rumors of the suspicious death of Leonard's nephew. Apparently Adam was telling enslaved people that there was a hair-raising story of poison, hmm. a mysterious illness, and an uncle not making an effort to contact the rest of the family. And that's another thing is whenever they kill people, especially when it comes to poison, you'll find that the bigums, they don't like to be around when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of days later, Adam was found in a swamp, beaten within an inch of his life, and he was tied down with heavy gauge ox chains. Leonard may have had his revenge, but he didn't come out completely unscathed. Unfortunately for Leonard, there were witnesses. People saw him assaulting Adam. Adam wasn't enslaved by Leonard. He was enslaved by this other guy. He took Leonard to court with the witnesses' testimonies, and Leonard was found guilty and was forced to pay a $10 fine, roughly $350 today. Which really is kind of like an atrocity. It is. It is. So $350. $350 for almost... For killing someone. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, Leonard had been defeated, and he had enough of his neighbors. He decided to purchase around 2,000 acres of land, south of Jeffreys Creek to start a new life. During this time, his wife, Mary Margaret, had two sons, George Washington Bigham, who was called Wash, and Leonard Bigham Jr., who was called Smiley Jr. Okay, so yeah, they, they do, and this is something else that keeps happening. They will name their sons after uh, presidents for some reason, George Washington. That's so funny. Um, they don't do that now, but I mean, uh, Barack Obama Jr. That's a fire name. I mean, come on. That's fire. So, um, just saying. But regardless of how cool your president name is, uh, Wash was kind of a disappointment to the family. Because <laughs> he didn't really live up to the family name like Smiley Jr., who was the spitting image of his father was. Okay. Um... Wash, Wash probably didn't even almost kill anybody. What a disappointment. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's still a scumbag, yeah, right. but we'll, we'll get into that. One interesting story from Smiley's childhood that needs to be noted mm -hmm. um, because it kind of pertains to, I guess you would say his MO or for his later crimes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Is when Smiley and Leonard went to go inspect a new litter of pigs from Leonard's prize sow. So or sow? We're going to find out right now. So. So, so, I don't, uh, so, 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 oh my God, I really, can't I've tell. never been more confused by Google <laughs> oh Translate God. in my fucking life. A Google pronunciation. 
<laughs> I, I it's really like she's saying know. Sal I and hear, so. I hear both of them at the same time. I swear to God. How do you do that? So. so. I don't fucking That didn't help at all. Thanks, Google. Thanks, Google. Shit. <laughs> Regardless, I don't have any Sal with my cow. Oh. <laughs> yes. We were coming up with those all night because we have to a, a pizza. One, one half pepperoni, one half beef but i don't have any pork on my fork i don't have any swine when i dine i don't have any sow when i cow i don't have any sow mixed in with my cow <laughs> oh because <laughs> we half it on the pie owl. pie uh, okay <laughs> anyway um i'll allow it my- <laughs> So Smiley saw his dad sneer at one of the smaller pigs, the runt, and he said, That's the runt. It don't do anybody any good. That's it. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Smiley watched carefully as Leonard prepared a meal mush for the baby piggy, and the animal ate it right up. That's so nice. And at a short... at a short, in a short pig, and that's so nice. <laughs> Give him dinner. In a short time, it started foaming at the mouth. Oh no! Uh, oh. Smiley then heard his father chuckle and say, "Potassium cyanide." <laughs> he never felt a thing. Damn. Oh. Damn. That's a dirt bag. Right, his son is just sitting there, Smiley Jr., mm-hmm. just sitting there taking notes and smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Over time, the children grew into adults and stayed on the Bigham land and became a very happy family. And that is the end of our story. Thanks for tuning nope. in. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Leonard always thought Bigham should be together, just like any good Southern family. <laughs> so no, it doesn't turn that way yet. Um, I I feel like there's a high likelihood that at least one of the Bigums oh, are in Oh, most definitely. Yeah. But over time, Leonard would acquire more land, keep building his pine empire, and Smiley Jr. was right there by his side. Our next story, and this is our, our trigger warning. This is the, one of the bad ones here. And this is uh, whenever Smiley had all grown up and became a real bastard like his father. They rode up on some sharecroppers working in their fields uh-huh. that they owned. And let's talk a little bit about sharecroppers. Shreve, what is a sharecropper exactly? Because this is, I'm guessing before, whenever we were talking about Adam, that must have been, because I don't have any dates here, that must have been pre-emancipation. So that's... 1863 around there Mm -hmm. and then this would be post 1863 after the emancipation right so basically yeah after the emancipation sharecropping was basically like a system and it is still exists today if you would choose to do so oh yeah but it's basically like the landlord will allow their tenants to use the land in exchange for a share of the crop and they would use that as basically a way of paying rent they would be able to keep some of the crops for themselves and sell some they use some of it to feed their families whatever else they would get a profit from and that would also go towards paying for the land that Mm -hmm. they lived on and so as you can see this system can slowly uh, develop into increased amounts of debt Mm -hmm. um, owed to the landlord and in effect especially in the deep south became just another form of enslavement right yeah they would show up on the farm landlord would give them an ox would give them the land would give oh, them how the, nice. the shelter some food or, or everything just make sure they're straight but 
you're going to have to pay all of that back. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it just basically became another form of enslavement. Mm. Very well put. So two of the sharecroppers that were working in the field were Quina and her husband, Willie. Leonard and Smiley rode up on their horses and told Willie that he needed to work late, saying that he had to pick cotton until you can't see. Wow, that's really fucked there you up. Go. There you go. So, <laughs> that's, so that's the kind of shit that sharecroppers would have to deal with. You know, shit. it's like, hey, I gave you that mule, remember? So you're going to be picking cotton until you can't see. Willie and Quina knew the Bigham's reputation. They knew they were not to be truffled with. And regardless, they were like, we got kids at home that are sick. They have the chicken pox. We can't stay late. But that didn't sit well with Leonard. So he pulled out his pistol. And he said, you didn't hear what I said. (laughs) God, I hate it. He pointed his gun at Willie, but Quina, thinking Leonard wouldn't shoot a woman, jumped in front of Willie. Sadly, she deeply underestimated Leonard's ruthlessness and was shot through the leg and the bullet passed through and struck Willie fatally. This is the first documented kill that we have on the Bigham family. Once again, Leonard was arrested and he stood trial. This time though, he had an alibi. I guess for some reason they thought that Smiley was a good witness to this. Because, um, you know, it's not like he's going to lie for his father or anything. Smiley Jr. and Leonard's wife took the stand and told him that Leonard didn't even leave the house that day. So there's no way he could have murdered Willie. And only after 10 minutes of deliberation, the jury came back with the verdict of not guilty against Leonard. Probably the worst part of the story to me is this is like how narcissistic Leonard is. He goes to Quina the day after the trial, after he gets scot-free after killing someone, goes to the victim's house, talks to his wife, and he says, who did it? Quina was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> you fucking killed him. Like, I'm not going to play into this shit what at all. Joke. And and then Leonard says to her, I guess one funeral wasn't enough for your family. There they go again with proving that they're not killers by threatening to kill. Wow, that's the biggest way. But something that Leonard didn't know that Quina was a real bad bitch. All right. Okay. She was very brave. Not only did she jump in front of the bullets to try to save her husband's life, Mm -hmm. but she ends up filing charges against Leonard for the bullet that struck her leg. And she actually wins. Like, that's. What I don't understand is that how can she win that case, but he was not guilty of killing her husband, and it was the same scenario. Regardless... What is this justice system? Yes. He was sentenced to three months in jail and fined $50 for shooting Quina in the leg. But like in a true Bigham fashion, he escapes justice again, having his physician write the judge that he couldn't attend jail because he had a hernia. And... That it was a serious disability. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, are you serious? This is so backward. And the only reason why I'm laughing is because of how ridiculous this it's all really, is. It really is. Um, this is just goes to show you how deep-rooted this racism goes. They were all unhinged at a white man having to pay a black woman. So he had all his neighbors sign a petition granting him clemency for having to pay Quina. So let me guess. The judge ruled in his favor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he never had to spend a second in jail or pay a dime. So that's justice. 
Um, still gotta say, you know, Queena, she stood up for herself and real you know, G. She's a real pioneer. So this is, she is one of the best Shots parts out. of the story. For sure. That is definitely like the big hero. If we had a hero of this story, it probably yeah. most likely be Queena. Mm-hmm. Some years go by. Leonard's starting to get old. He spends most of his evenings sitting on his porch with a glass of milk looking out into the vastness of his estate. Smiley Jr. starts to despise his father for not dying. <laughs> like a true <laughs> sociopath. Uh, he wants all the land that Leonard owns. So one night... He decides to add a little something extra to Poppy's milk jug. And he took it straight out of his memory bank from the baby pig story. Oh, wow. And so Leonard eventually passes away later that night, slowly. Of course, Smiley wasn't around. He had to take care of a sick friend at the time, so he had no idea what was going on. Right. Okay. Now He was was conveniently unavailable while his father was dying. Mm -hmm. Um, Very painful death, I'm sure. Died very slowly and painfully. Well, I guess he raised his son to... You'll keep seeing this popping up again and again, especially at the grand finale of our story, which there is a grand finale to this. I know like we're going through like the the family line and everything, but this all comes to a point. Exactly. Culminates culminates. into a big event. Big feud. At the very end. A big family feud. And and they all... Yeah. And and it's not like the Steve Harvey family feud Mm -hmm. that you're you're used to. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Now, after Leonard's passing... Wash, you know, the disappointment of the family, (laughs) actually becomes the executor of the estate. But unfortunately, he's not as shysty as Smiley and basically got the runaround the whole time because he lived further away upstate and wasn't there. So Smiley was still in control of the estate, at least maybe not on paper, but... For all intents and purposes. Right. Smiley was in control, or so he thought. So Mary Margaret, that's... Leonard's wife, Smiley's mom, ended up remarrying. She married this guy named George Sanderson. That did not sit well with Smiley at all. Fuming from his mother's marriage, he decided to build his own house away from his mother's house and soon-to-be stepfather. I mean, that'll show her. Right. It's still on her land. Like, she still owns everything. And now it's all going to Sanderson. So they're all pretty much shit out of luck here. So Smiley's daily pleasure was the strict supervision of his construction workers building this house that he made away from his mother. He tried to get one family named the Culps to move onto the land to exploit them, share crop, you know, Mm -hmm. all that good stuff. Eli Culp, he knew what the Biggin family was about, and he didn't want any part of it. And he used the excuse that he was already indebted to another family, the Steele family, and he had to move on to their land to pay off his debt. Man, this is so messed up. In the subsequent weeks, Smiley found out, I guess he ran into Steele's at some point, and found out that, I'm sorry, Eli Culp wasn't working or did not owe the Steele family any money, and Smiley's blood boiled. The next issue of the Marion Star, which is the local newspaper dated August 26, 1879, said the following. On Sunday last, on Mr. George's Steele's plantation near Brattonsville in the county, a colored man named Colt and three of his children were poisoned. One rumor is that the family had been poisoned with arsenic, which had been put into a cup of sugar, out of which a cake had afterwards been made by one of his children. We have made efforts to gain the particulars, but have failed. It may be depended on, however, that the four members of the family are dead, and it is certain that the poison of some kind was the cause of death. Shoo! 
So he poisoned their whole family just whole because family. they didn't want to work for him? Yep. It's total five. We're keeping count here. I mean, he is basically the scum of the earth. So Smiley finally had his house built, but was still missing something. He needed a wife. Because of his reputation, a local girl wouldn't do. So he bargained with a man from Greenville to essentially sell his 16-year-old daughter away. <laughs> you gotta love how it was back then, right? <laughs> really, so many people had so much freedom. Doris Smith entered the Bigham house with mixed emotions when she arrived. Everything was a front, pretty much. Smiley wanted the first glance at her new life to be charming, but eventually he would have plenty of time to harden her up and make her a true bigum. And know. it turns out she would fit right in. She's a dirtbag too. Yeah, she she's just as ruthless. And there's a story I remember from a piece of the Fox's Hide that there was one time whenever she was assaulting this little black girl, or it was a little black boy, I know it was a child. Mm -hmm. She made them put their legs up on the hearth of the fireplace. So they would get burnt. Jeez. Yeah, as the punishment. Uh, yeah, she's sadistic, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just something in the air when you're around these big ones. And I guess it was only a matter of time before. Oh, yeah. So Smiley pretty much got everything he needed at this point. And whenever you're a sociopath and you live in America and you have everything you could ever want, mm -hmm. there's only really one route for you to go. That would be to run for office <laughs> um, and sure enough Politics. smiley ran and was elected as a south carolina house representative in February of 1887. Unfortunately for Smiley, he wasn't really well received in the press and that pissed him off. He would constantly fight with the newspapers, with the media, said that they would wrongfully accuse him of corruption. Sounds like some person I know that was in office, but eventually he wanted to go even higher in his political career and sought the office of state senator for Marion County, but he lost this time. I guess the, the bad press got to yeah. Just at that time, there was a new county established in Florence. That time he did win as the state senator for Florence County. Come on, yep. South Carolina. We've got to stop electing these idiots. The more you talk, it's the like more nothing of, has changed. The more of the Murdochs. Yes. I can't stop. It's not going to be the last time I mention them, but yeah, yeah. just keep going. And that went straight to his head. He became like super pretentious. He made his wife call him Senator Bigum. <laughs> 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 um, so, like, pretty much everybody had to call him Senator. He was known as, like, the Senator from then on. But that still didn't quench his thirst for power. He wanted more. Smiley set his eyes on D.C. and holding the congressional office of the 6th District for South Carolina. But at this point, he had reached his zenith and now would begin his descent. Um, Good. Back at the Bigham household, Smiley sulked and sneered for weeks after losing the election for the congressional seat. While he was in his bad mood, one of the tenants on the Bigham land, a man named Lassus, caught the brunt end of Smiley's fury when he questioned Smiley about some bales of cotton that he felt he had a share to. Right. Back to this sharecropping mm -hmm. mess, you know. Smiley, enraged, went to attack him, but Lassus got the hell out of the way and ran home. His gut reaction to shoot Lassus was conquered by reason. So he waited and coldly assessed the situation. So this is whenever you get to see 
the more scheming and plotting of the bigums. He's becoming more organized. Right. Yeah, he's developing, yeah. So instead of trying to kill Lassus in that situation on his land, he waits for Lassus to go home. And just as Lassus goes inside his house and slams the door, Smiley fires through the door, killing him. What he does is he goes inside the house, grabs a single barrel shotgun from above the mantle and places it gently beside the body. He then sent for the town coroner, his wife, Dora, witnessed everything. This whole altercation, Dora was there. Didn't say anything. Didn't say shit. And that's number six now. We're keeping count. Yeah. Smiley started suffering from neurosis as he got older. He became, you know, pretty crazy. He would do weird things like he refused to use doors and he would only enter in through like windows. (laughs) (laughs) He's out of his goddamn mind. Right. He also tried to drown himself a couple times in the family pond, but he was unsuccessful because he sucks at everything. Dora and Smiley had five children. There was two girls, three boys. There was Leonard the third, who was notoriously cruel as a child. He did things like he would put pins inside his shoes and kick the other kids at school. One time, he even shot a washerwoman with birdshot and just peppered her up. Oh my God. Their second son, Edmund, he was just as bad. He one time, he got disciplined by his teacher at school. So the next day, he stabbed the teacher's horse to death with a pitchfork. And then the third son, of course, the uh, they need the president, Grover Cleveland Bigham, was the least unpleasant, but he still had a sinister side to him. And the two daughters, there was Letha and Marjorie. They were also pretty similar. They all sucked. They're all terrible. Smiley brought them up in a doctrine of hate and and understanding the law he would actually like run mock trials in his house it's like family game night um so, so just in case you know they were ever found themselves in a courtroom they knew how to act it was all was raising a, a big family act. of murderers yep sound familiar murder yep Now, eventually, the neurosis got worse and worse for Smiley. He became dependent on Dora's help. In true big and fashion, one night, he became suddenly ill, foaming at the mouth after ingesting some of the family recipe. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, man. So that's seven. They're taking themselves out, but that's still a murder. So that's seven. We got. I'm gonna just like write down a little note. So she is definitely a bigot. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, for a while after Smiley's death, things were quiet until about 1908, when just one incident was set off a series of events that would last over 50 years. It began simply with a mule. While Leonard the Third, that we're just gonna call him Trey. No, mm-hmm. that's usually a nickname for a third. I'm a third. I, I didn't get called just, Trey. Let's just get back to calling him Leonard. Okay, so old Leonard's yeah. out. Yeah, new Leonard in. We got new Leonard in. You had Leonard the first, mm-hmm. then you had Smiley, who was even worse, mm-hmm. and then you have the epitome of bad here with, with Leonard. Well, Edmund, I think, is like the creme de la creme, but Leonard, they were pretty even-keeled here. Okay. I think Leonard was a little bit dumber, was the thing, and mm-hmm. then Edmund, he was evil, but he was, was more elite. Right. Now, Leonard was at the stock lot when two plow hands brought over his mule. I imagine a stock lot is where they, like, probably sold animals or had kept animals, but let us know what it is. Email us at eatdrinkmurderpodcast at gmail.com if you know what a stock lot is or if it's even important. Or just tell us, hey, or tell us to go fuck ourselves. We don't care. 
We love you. Anyway, <laughs> two plow hands brought over the mule. We're just call it the mule. The mule is important, okay? Upon inspecting the animal, Leonard noticed that its eye had been injured. Like his father and grandfather before him, Leonard lashed out and demanded to know what happened to the mule. Arthur Davis, a boy of 16, was blamed for the incident. And as soon as Leonard moved to strike the boy, he took off and ran as fast as he could home. Anyway, Leonard then sent word to the boy's mother that because of the offense, Arthur would have to be at the disposal for the next three years of Leonard. Yeah. That's the whole, it's a whole thing of debt. Miss yeah. mm -hmm. Davis sent word back and said, we'll let the law decide what Arthur's gonna be doing if he indeed caused the mule's disfigurement. Leonard, displeased with the response, rode out to the Davis household and demanded to see Arthur immediately. Miss Davis refused to let him in and said that Arthur wasn't going to work for the Biggums not one more day. Cleveland, who had been visiting from Harper, South Carolina, which is out near the coast somewhere, anyway, he was visiting from out of town. He was in town visiting with his wife. He tried to calm Leonard down during supper, but Leonard would not be persuaded away from this revenge. Taking his Winchester, Leonard left the house to get some of his friends and went to the Davis household. And according to Miss Davis, she heard the sound of the approaching horses. Arthur hid underneath his mother's bed. At that time, masked men busted into the house, snatched him out from under the bed, and dragged him away on horses. Miss Davis searched all night until she found the mutilated corpse of Arthur the next day. Just a bunch of cowards that go into the home of a little 16-year-old boy. Let's not get it twisted here. This is a lynching. So right. This is absolutely a lynching because we have a source here and this actually got some notoriety. There's actually in the paper about Arthur being put to death by this mob. Of course, in this article, it says it was on a fake charge of stealing the mule. And this is where it's going to get pretty brutal. Not satisfied with just dragging Arthur on the ground, which is awful. I don't know if you know how rough that would be, but it's not like he was dragged on like sand. You know what I'm saying? He's dragged on like roads with rocks and through thickets. Just awful. After they drug him on the ground, they beat him with briars and rope-like vines. When the sheriff arrived, the coroner discovered a curious speck of blood on Arthur's left earlobe. That's where the actual cause of death was discovered. Inside of Arthur's ear was a long tin-penny nail that had been hammered through Arthur's ear canal into his brain. South Carolina, January 19, 1909. There is considerable agitation in this section of the state over a lynching of an innocent Negro boy in Forestville several days ago by a number of whites in which the son of an ex-senator is implicated. The state has taken up the case and has indicated a number of whites for taking a part in the murder. The situation has become more tense by the publication of an article in the Charleston News and Courier under the caption, Murder in Florence, in which the paper severely scores the lynchers and calls them murderers of extraordinary malice and brutality. Arthur Davis, the murdered boy, bore a good reputation in Forestville and was liked by all except one man who harbored and grudged against him. The white man was not brave enough to attack Davis openly, but trumped up the charges of stealing a mule. Several white sympathizers were secured and Davis was taken out and put to death. 
Leonard and his goons all were arrested, even though, you know, they, they were wearing masks. Miss Davis still knew the voice of Leonard Bigham. And when you know it, they were all given bond and got to go home later that night. Wow. The night after the arrest, there was a meeting at the Bigham household, and they made a plan to make sure Leonard never saw the inside of a prison cell. Interesting, I liked reading the article because it showed they had faked him stealing the mule uh-huh. and all the sources that I had it said that he was mad about the eye of the mule being injured which maybe that's what he was initially mad mm-hmm. mad for and then trumped up and the, then trumped up mm-hmm. those yeah so they're all about to have the the big meeting at the household each family member was given an alibi but there was one problem Cleveland's wife Ruth wasn't having any part of it. She wasn't accustomed to the Bigham way of lying under oath. The family reached an impasse. Ruth in Cleveland had to leave and go back to Harper's shortly after the family meeting. And as they left, Cleveland made his way back inside without Ruth and said to his family, don't worry about a thing. She'll never testify against a Bigham. Hmm. And that's where we're gonna have to pick it up. In part two, <laughs> I like the way you ended that of the Bigham story on a nice little cliffhanger. Yes, sir. I would say the next episode, you get some more of the uh, let's just call it bumble butt syndrome. <laughs> the Bigham butts. What's the Bigham butts? They go full dumbass. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I just want to say that was a really dope episode. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, <laughs> but we got to go back to where you said that these bigums aren't serial killers i think it's a good point to say here mm-hmm, we say mm-hmm. we're going to kind of go through the episode and then we're going to ask that question they are definitely fucking serial killers i think that it underscores an issue with where we a lot of times separate a lot of these lynch mobs from serial killers mm-hmm. you know which there's some connection here you know because just the way they brutalize a small 16 year old girl oh yeah all, they definitely small, had small to, 16 year old boy yeah. all together and being all you know a part of this together i think that it's just kind of important that we underscore yes these people are serial killers people that participate in lynch mobs are serial killers just like any other serial killer yes, yeah no i absolutely. definitely agree yeah. absolutely you know subjugating others to this type of brutality that they all run in the same vein so yeah so i i thought that was a really dope episode and i love the article we read because the article continually and repeatedly identified them as murderers you know mm-hmm. which is interesting from an article from 1909 i never thought that had would... to be uncommon i yeah. feel like yeah maybe it wasn't but you know it, it just i, think I feel like the... it was definitely uncommon I feel like it. it's not the, <laughs> it was the definitely lens uncommon. it's not the lens but that we normally see i'm, these, I'm glad that that yes. there is at least somebody with half a brain out there at that time. Yes. So we have another thing that we need to cover yeah. before we let you all go. Yes. What is it? Oh, our website. Yes. We, I didn't mention that whenever we did all the social media and stuff. And I think I did power plug our um, email. Of course, you can always reach out to us at eDrinkMurderPodcast at gmail.com. But don't forget to go on our awesome, awesome, awesome website, eDrinkMurder.com. 
Freak yeah, we got that domain, buddy. Yeah. EatDrinkMurder.com. It's pretty sweet. It's freaking frosh. You can actually listen to episodes. And we're going to be adding to it. You, you can find everything you need there. We have a newsletter that you need to sign up for. And you'll get some details of why that's important. But you're going to have to subscribe. And, you'll find and, out and keep listening to us because it's only going to get better from here. Especially this second part. I'm really stoked for the second part of the Bigum story because that's when things start really heating up and we get to the big finale and it's really cool also just talking about like new stuff we're gonna have one thing we're definitely gonna be trying to push here in the future is some type of merchandise and for the first time and Sharif has never heard this before I have the perfect thing to start out Ooh, it's I'm cutting excited. edge uh-huh. you could call it merch it's like almost like a currency though guess what we're gonna have we're gonna have EDM serial killer NFTs, dude. What's an NFT? NFT is a non-fungible tangible. And <laughs> Did you fuck that up? No. I have no idea what the acronym is, Sharif. It's those little stupid... They're not stupid. They're awesome. It's like those little stupid fucking square artworks. You don't... You haven't heard about NFTs? Oh. God, you're so old. And I am too. How do you use them? It's a non-fungible token. You've never seen an NFT. It's basically like a digital... I don't know. Go watch a fucking YouTube, okay? I, I don't know. We, I mean, I this feel like what our they viewers like are going to have to But they're the little same. things people can use for their like profile pictures and stuff, and they cost money. And then they can sell them for more money later. But they are so hot right now. Listen to me. But they are so hot right now. Listen to me. Cancel. Listen to me. Listen, Sharif, look at me. You know how much this thing right here is worth? How much? Like $50,000. I don't get it either, but it's the future. It's the future, and we're going to be a part of it. This one right here sold for $69 million. What? It's like a, you have like, they have like the copyrights to them. And nobody can use it? Right. And it's all in crypto. Crypto? Yeah. So that's how it holds its value. So really, it's backed by nothing. But it's still worth money. I hate talking about crypto. It gives me (laughs) such a fucking headache. We're going to do it. Serial killer, EDM, NFTs. How many more acronyms can we put in? But anyway. Can we put our NFTs on on a shirt? Yeah. We can put it. Dude, that's a great idea. Okay. That's a great idea. Boom. NFT. EDM <laughs> and, and shirts. Shirts. Tees. It's gonna be killing it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks we'll- for tuning in again to South Carolina Strange and Sinister. And we'll be back next week. Uh, two weeks. Sometime. We'll be back and you'll listen to us. Bye. Yes, thanks. Bye. <laughs> I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. Oh, that's a hot one. That's a spicy meatball. People, I'd like to announce my retirement from the male modeling profession.